0: Rockflix, the historical costume, movie, something other, something other. Hi, I'm Tristan L. Bass, your host, and I'm here with our original Broadway recording cast. Kendra Van Cleave. And we are going to podcast about the movie The Favorite, out in theaters right now in fall, uh, fall or winter of 2018. But first, a note, I'm going to apologize if we have any um sound issues or what have you because our uh, better recording equipment and mics and such are packed away because i'm in the middle of a move and they're in boxes somewhere so with that out of the way Let's
1: dive in. I have to give a shout out first. I just want to dedicate this uh, episode of the podcast to Abra uh, from the Costume Society of America Western Region, who cutely today asked me when I said I was going to go see this movie, cutely asked me, do you read frogflix And I said, I am frogflix. <laughs> so that was funny. So Abra, this one's for you. That's right. So the dive favorite on. is uh, about Queen Anne, who was Queen of England in, for only a few years in the very, very early 18th century like 1702 to 07 or 09 something like that anyway and her relationship with her favorite um the duchess sarah the duchess of Marlborough, played by rachel vice uh and then a new and upcoming favorite abigail masham who's played by emma is it emma stone emma stone yes. yes um and it's about the rivalry between those two women to be the queen's favorite and the queen is played by olivia coleman yes and it's directed by Yorgos
0: Lanthimos, which is probably the only time I will say that correctly, mm-hmm. um, who is also known, he was uh, uh, nominated for an Oscar for The Lobster, which is a, apparently a very crazy film. Uh,
1: right. And
0: he does, apparently, very crazy films, so he's not big in frock flick land, um, so this is very much a departure for him. Uh, it. We will note, though, the costume designer is Sandy Powell, who is known very well amongst Rock Flick fans. Um, she is a multiple Oscar winner. And, dude, she will so be nominated for an Oscar for this. Yes. She's been uh, doing tons of press for it. Um, all of the actors for this have been. Uh, this is probably... It has a very short release um, right now, uh, at the end of tw- 2018. It will, I'm suspecting it will have a wider release Um, in early 2019 um, but I think it's doing the short release right now because it's so it's Oscar eligible. Um, So that's about the film itself Uh, and then the history of the film as we said it's just about this time towards the end of uh, Queen Anne's reign uh, with these two favorites and their rivalry and a little bit about the politics of the time um, and how kind of their rivalry affects those politics. It's really primarily about these three women yeah and and their own inter uh dynamics uh is also filmed um mostly at hatfield house in uh, the uk which makes for an amazing setting
1: that's the just okay so i loved it we have all sorts of things to say about it it's a great film it's definitely arty but that makes it better you know it's not like your conventional judy dench biopic nothing wrong with judy dench um she did some arty ones too yes the locations were so good they had that perfect 17th century and this is just at the turn of the 18th century so it's perfect the dark wood paneling everything is geometric the lower ceilings uh just gorgeous tapestries the tapestries yes
0: they and i've read some interviews where it was apparently a fairly low budget film but they spent the budget on the locations uh, both Sandy Powell and the um, hair and makeup designers talk, have talked about um, having fairly tight for a um, cost of, for a period film, fairly tight budgets on those side. The director spent, he shot his wad on the locations and because, and you can tell, I mean, he really makes a point of using the best of these uh, locations um, using both the, the big rooms, the little narrow passageways, um, filming kind of weird fisheye effects in some of the um, in some of the rooms, just really emphasizing the space. Uh,
1: yeah, and was, I thought it was really successful. I mean, there's def- there's a couple of shots, kind of especially later in the film. I mean, as always, this is one of those films that kind of deconstructs the myth of royalty and that it's maybe not all it's cracked up to be, but at least. One specific shot where you've got Queen Anne in her ornate but kind of heavy bedroom, you know, and she's just sort of there with her rabbits and, you know, it's fabulous to be the queen except here she is alone in a kind of... It wasn't, you know, just it, yes. the space, even though that room in particular was big, it still felt oppressive. Yes. Uh, and you could feel how trapped she was. And it's interesting because, like, I'm comparing it with, like, I don't know why, but Elizabeth is mm. coming to mind. And you know how they used all those really, like, cathedral-y yes. spaces? So they used, like, big castle-y kind of spaces, but they weren't right for right. the period? Yes. Uh, or or yes. for the use, is yes. what I mean. Yes, yes. They weren't actual castles. They weren't, you know... Or houses or whatever. Right. I don't know. So this there just were churches. Mostly. Yeah, yeah. And, and you could. Yeah. To me, you could tell. And this just felt right. And it's one of the things that always bugs me about historical films. Is, I mean, there, there's something to be. Int- there's something interesting about a good story, right? No matter what. But to my mind, we're interested in historical stories because we're interested in what's unique about that particular era and the spaces that they lived in. I just feel like they're they're important, and just in the same way that I would argue that the clothes are too, and we'll, we'll get to that. Um, I don't know. I, I can't. I don't know if I can put my finger on exactly what I want to say. Now I'm rambling. Well, well, no, it's it's <laughs> very true, and I
0: I don't I, I don't think it's not Lucy Worsley, but it's it's some one of the the British historians similar to that Amanda who, Vickery probably probably who's done um, some work and and probably some like. BBC specials or something about, and maybe some books, but, you know, whatever. Everything of mine's in storage right now, so I can't refer to anything. Um, that's my excuse, but I have citations. Um, who, who've done some work on um, how the, the physical space of, of houses and, and buildings really reflects, just like clothing, it reflects how um, family structures and
1: social structures um, yeah, changed and, over time and they really use that to good effect in here like I love so I think it may be Amanda Vickery mm-hmm. and if you haven't already she might have a no I don't know if this is a book okay but she has um it was a BBC radio series that you can buy on iTunes like an album and it's called a history of private life yeah and it's yes, so it, yeah I it, gave you a recording it, of it because yes, I'm like you have to listen yes, so that's good it. That's what and she gets up. into all of this stuff about like like changing ideas about housebreaking or like you know breaking and entering and the idea that like if you didn't lock your door and someone came in and stole stuff that was on you yeah you know and i don't but just there or like things like how ghosts couldn't go through walls and i don't just all this stuff where the space was really important how people lived and i just really got a sense that felt right for the period Mm -hmm. for once as opposed to usually or the, the uh, number or the size of rooms, like uh, how yeah. uh, a closet, what, a, what the meaning of I a closet, closet. the yeah. meaning of
0: a closet, like it wasn't it wasn't for clothes until very
1: recently. It was a tiny little room yeah. that you went to to pray yeah. and or have alone time. Yeah,
0: basically, and, then it, and was, it was one of the
1: very first places uh, in a house where you were ever alone. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, it's that, but that's a very important digression because
0: I feel like the director got that it's, and captured that visually. And that makes a perfect background for the action of the film, of course, but for the clothes, for everything and for the dialogue and for the relationships between these
1: women. Yeah. And I'd almost say I'm going to get to, I'm sure, to the, for sure, obviously to the (laughs) costumes. Like, I almost want to say, like, I think their money was well spent on locations. Yeah. I think it was really key, not just to this movie, but I think it would improve a lot of movies to be in, it just, it, it so echoed the psychology and the dynamics and all of that. And this
0: is a very psychological film, um,
1: it's, but it's not boring. No, it's not boring. But
0: I mean, it's it's t- it's getting into the relationships and the the why people are doing things and how people are doing things. It's not. Um, while I, I've mentioned it a couple times, it's about you know there's about the politics of the era, but that's it's about the politics are only relevant in that a couple of the characters are using these politics for their own ends or want to use other people to make political pay in some way. The
1: politics overlaps with this rivalry. Yes.
0: And so it's not political in, like, a there's going to be battles or, you know, so-and-so is getting their way about such and such like, you know, like Amistad or something like this political Um, or, you know, Gallipoli or whatever, you know, uh, where you need to know, you know, who's the prime minister and, you know, how many votes does he have in in the House of Lords or none of that stuff. Um, But it's very much psychological and it's about how who's using power and what kind of power and what kind of games they're playing and um, and how. That will have a, may may or may not have a political outcome, but it's really about the psychology of it all. Yeah, definitely. So, we've hinted around it. Let's just dive into the costumes, because um, they're very prominent, they're out there, they're very um, obvious, um, because for one thing, there's a very limited palette.
1: Yeah, so that's the first thing you know. Almost everything is black and white, except the military guys get red uh, coats or and/or waistcoats at various times.
0: Well, and the um, men um, in some of the scenes, in the particularly in the, uh, I guess it's the House of Lords. Or, I think it's House of Commons House of actually. Commons. Okay, yeah, you're right. It's House of Commons because it's got the Prime Minister. The men's waistcoats are. Red or blue for Tory or Whig, and I can't remember which is which, but yeah. it's very specifically done. For and them. as we came out
1: of the theater, Tristan overheard someone I, say, "Yes, I overheard
0: someone uh, commenting on that. Why is everyone in black and white? Oh, well, there was there were some red waistcoats, or was, was that you know was that one of the political parties or something? Yeah. And so it, it would be literally like walking into Congress and the U.S. Congress and seeing you know all the Republicans in red, uh, in red and all the Democrats in blue. So it's a little literal, yes. um, obviously." All of this is done. It's very much it's for an effect. It's very arch in that way. Right. The, yeah, the director re- wanted that.
1: Right. And clearly, it fit with the the mood of the film. The mood, the film is arch. The film film is stylized. Um, people are m- mostly acting in a period way, but then they'll suddenly like the dance scene, which was fucking hilarious. <laughs> where they are doing, they're like they were quite voguing, but they were doing. No, there was some little. little, little yeah, little there voguing, was some.
0: There was like this big crazy.
1: Yeah. It anyway, so clearly just going literal would not have worked, so they went very stylized. But the, the thing that we both loved was that the stylization was a tweak on what they really wore in the period. Yes. So the women really were in mantua gowns, which yes. as they would be, and the men really were in those long skirted coats Panko and breeches. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... Uh, They were fabulous. I felt like sometimes the women's gowns were a little bit too structured and fitted, but maybe not. Maybe not. I'm not sure, but they the they did the beautiful draped up so sort of good. waterfall back. I mean, I definitely yeah. now I got to make a mantel. I know. Yes. I just I want a black and white mantel yes. like nobody's yes. business. Oh God, the one near the end the where ends. she's uh, one. Abigail is drunk and she's wearing this black she, on yes. white and white on black stripes, and I yeah. I literally all those were like ah. elbowing ah. each other. Like, you make oh.
0: the white and black, and I'll make it white and bla- black. Perfect,
1: and perfect. Ah. Well, then you'll be half size. About anyway. About but so obviously it's Andy Powell and those are the two things she does. She knows the period. Yes. Uh well three things. She knows the period really well. She's very good at stylization and she executes the, or her team execute yes. things Quality. beautifully.
0: So that's one of the things you can see because there's of course there's plenty of close-ups and you can see the the seeming the the fit, the tailoring, the the structure. Um it's stunning. It's just Freaking stunning. It, uh, front, back, sideways, upside down, everywhere. It's really amazingly done. There's a lot... Of, again, I, I've mentioned she's doing a ton of press for this. So there's a lot of interviews. Um, she did not use historically accurate fabrics. Yeah. Um, you can tell in place... I mean, you can tell most of the time, but there's some places where you can tell... Well, we we can tell where I was a little jarred. Right. Um, I knew it going in, but I could still tell. There's... Um, laser cut lace and vinyl
1: that was the biggest the vinyl the big that was the biggest sort of jarring and i got why they were doing it but it felt a bit heavy-handed we kind of both agreed when it was a little further back from the screen it was fine when it was in close-up like seeing chokers yeah and you could tell it was laser cut vinyl and it was weird yeah and and i think it was when it was right right around the
0: face and it was that Against the skin, mm-hmm. when it's down, when it was down the skirts, it looked mm-hmm. fine. It totally blended. It, it gave a real good textile effect. Right. Um, but when it was up near the face and in the close-up shots, you could definitely. It was like vinyl, and you could see yeah, you could just tell.
1: And it was hard. It looked like it came from Hot Topic, and not yeah. necessarily a bad way. I mean, you it was just but yeah to to someone like you or me, yeah. it was
0: very. Obvious. I'm sure. Yeah. Nobody else in the audience
1: noticed or cared. Yeah. But, you know, right?
0: all you historical customers, you're going to look at it and go, ooh. Right. But the eff- overall effect is stunning. Um, and it's really dramatic. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they other- used a lot of satin, which I loved and is definitely right for the period. Some of them, like the, the very first dress that Abigail wears, it's, it's very metallic. Mm-hmm. It almost worked because it reminded me of like that, that silver cloth um 1660s -hmm. dress that's in the bath museum of
0: fashion the one with the big sleeve yeah exactly
1: it was a similar kind of that but then some of them were kind of a little pleathery and you get some like um damask or brocade patterns that just were clearly kind of modern um but i did like i liked how much texture i mean this is one of the things you have to do when you're
0: just doing this limited palette is that she used a lot of texture um, you know, everything is primarily black or white. So it, to keep it from looking just flat and dull, mm-hmm. um, there's so much texture in the materials, um, different damasks, different weaves, different like stamped fabrics. Um, and you know, yeah, mo- most of them probably aren't historically accurate, but it does give a lot of visual interest. It gives depth on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, you know, that really adds to adds interest.
1: Mm-hmm. One thing I'm wondering about. So, um, Anne, in particular is often in formal court dress which is an older style that's more was more fashionable in like the 1660s and uh, or so with these big um, really structured those sleeves, the sleeves. with oh these amazing God. pleats those um, pleats were really I, uh, kill yeah me. no they kill were they were me. gorgeous. One thing I was wondering about though, that she had dresses that looked like they were a white satin or maybe like something with some sort of texture, but then they had ermine tails all yeah. over them. Yeah. And I wondered, did they actually take ermine tails off of fur and put that on? I mean, I know. I, I bet they're fake ermine tails. Well, of course. But, you know. Let us pray they are fake yes. ermine tails. Because
0: again, it'd be way too freaking expensive to get mm. real ermine tails. Well, yeah. They're and again, also, and, and, and also, also everything not, she not said nice to critters. Yeah, but well, everything yeah. she said. About budget, right? Like I'm expecting there. I now. just
1: thought it was interesting. I mean, obviously, ermine being a symbol of royalty, yeah. we should say that. So, um, and it makes perfect sense, like on the cape and all that. And I know again they weren't going for historical accuracy, but I, I don't know that I've ever seen fabric with right. ermine tails. Attached well, one to
0: it. thing that uh, one of the interviews, um, Sandy Powell said that um, she looked at a lot of portraits of Queen Anne's kind of state robes, and they weren't, since they were using this limited palette, uh, and the director didn't want you know gold and and you know, jeweled kind of stuff. She, that's why she decided to use ermine because of course it's a symbol of royalty and it fit in the black and white. Right. And so whether or not it was particularly historically accurate, she said, well, you know, it's plausible. It Mm -hmm. makes sense.
1: It works. It it, it carries the right same visual image. Yeah. Um, Well, and the fact that Anne's dresses, I mean, not only just that she's wearing a different style than the everyday or what the other ladies are wearing. So A, it sets her off, but also it's very, it's bulky, It has, you know, weight and therefore sort of like majesty, but it's also kind of bulky in a like older, clunky kind of way. And obviously, you know, that's one of the big things with Anne. I mean, she's the queen and yet if she weren't the queen, nobody would be paying any attention to this old, you know, aging kind of dumpy woman. Um, In ill health. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was was just, it was interesting because it made her both majestic and also this kind of like... Big clunky, you know, obstacle almost. It's like
0: really she's a figurehead. Yeah. It it emphasized how much of a figurehead she was and that, you know, she is separate from these other people and especially these women and and like why these women, you know, the kind of the reason why they're trying to be her favorite is Mm -hmm. because she is the figurehead, because she's this separate remote thing. Right. And, And yet she only does that in a few scenes and most of the time she's in a nightgown.
1: Yeah. And or with a like a fur yeah, or dressing, with her, gown, her over dressing it. gown or a dressing
0: gown or a nightgown. Yeah. And, and that was something else Sandy Powell mentioned in in, um, in in interviews is that that wasn't really in the script. It was just that this all these scenes where you know the queen's in her bedroom and she's in pain or she's just kind of flopping around and so that yeah. was kind of just well what should, what should she wear yeah well i think one of them she said well she'd wear jammies So yeah.
1: it's like when you're sick for five days you're wearing the same jammies for five days and it's yeah. like a relief when you finally have the effort to change your jammies you're like yeah. oh my god take a shower yeah you feel like a new person yeah exactly yeah absolutely um other little details like again it felt I mean, by this point, the mantua had become very stylized. I mean, they were as dresses, they were so mantua started as dressing gowns, which were inspired by Middle Eastern and Asian uh clothing. Um, and then they became something that was worn in France, particularly also the Netherlands, um, was kind of where they first came in because of trade routes. Uh, let's have some history, why not? Yes, um and so they became something that was worn by both men and women, like both upper and middle classes was a big thing. Um, and then women started wearing them as dresses. And they started off really soft and drapey, but for sort of anything beyond, you know, that was out, you know, that was in any way public, um, you would wear it over a corset. And then as the mantle kept being worn, it became more and more stylized. So they would pull the overskirt up and back. And um, it, like the way that they arranged that became very uh, technically done. And in fact, uh, if you lay, if you undrape the skirt and lay it out, you'll see the fabric face is different. Uh, which direction it's facing in different places based on how it's supposed to be folded and all that. With all that being said, I felt like some of the, especially the bodices, felt a little too structured um and like for example the sash was a key thing because again originally it was just this big long dressing gown that you tied with a sash and they would have these cute little belts yes. um and i just it felt like a little too yeah They, structured, they you it know? made that
0: a, a very distinct point of having a little tiny yeah little,
1: like, but again but i'm glad belt. that they i mean that they they held yeah. on to that you yeah. know the pleated cuffs yes um which are very key to the era um Yeah, and I thought the menswear was really nice. There were some... Uh, we'll get to hair and all yes. that in a minute. But just even, just like those satin coats. Yes. Oh,
0: hot damn. Oh, my God. And the, uh. the 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 waistcoats, they were just beautifully fitted. Just all a jillion
1: little buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and with it, a really long in front. Yes. And then there's one time, I, one or two times, you see a guy without his coat on in the yes. back. And he's just got the little linen yes. waist length exactly. in back. Because, hey, nobody's going to see it. Why spend money on it? That's perfect.
0: So, yeah, I mean, the men's wa- clothes, well, you know, the, the male characters were not as, uh, as crucial which we'll get into again is an amazing thing about this film Um, they were certainly equally excellent Mm -hmm. Um, the men uh, they kind of had this a little bit, well they weren't as strictly as black and white, most of them were kind of dull in a way, except for the one guy, the opposition leader who was all
1: Fob, pale, super floppy,
0: and all. Although, well, did you know his pale. waistcoat
1: was actually blue? Yes, he was blue with like yes, a real stripe. stripe. It had with a stripe. stripe. Yeah. yeah, but his, I thought that he, was interesting. Yeah, but he was very
0: pale, mm-hmm. and was, he had extra ma- extra pale makeup, and the yeah. pale wig, and this, and a very pale coat, and you know, like, I think it was a like, gold or silver trim, and he was just he very much
1: stood out. It's
0: like I am the opposition. I am yeah. Mister Pale,
1: and I love that thing of um, and. I think it might be historically accurate, I'm not sure, whatever, but that they're the really foppy guys, but the foppy guys are actually the ones who are, like, down with the people. Comparatively. Yeah. Comparatively. Yeah. Comparatively. Anyway. Um, and I, I forgot to mention earlier, too, one of the, um,
0: Powell has said that one of her inspirations was the, the Droth... Oh, i say this wrong. The Droxman's Contract. Thank you. Which we have reviewed on the blog. Uh, yes. It was a reader request, thank you. Yes. Um, Another arty film from what, like, the early P- 80s? Yes, by Peter Greenaway. Um, and that film, uh, which is set a little bit earlier, although the costumes are actually look a little bit later, it's kind of a muddle, but the that one, extremely, even more stylized in that for the first half of it, almost everybody's in white except for one character who's in black, and then it switches because of a plot point where everybody's in black except for one guy's in white. So, um, but Powell is very much influenced by that as well. And... You could, you could, if you've seen one, and then you see this, you'll like, you'll get it, and and you'll kind of be like, whoa, yeah.
1: So it didn't feel deri- as not having seen the Draughtsman's contract, not it derivative. didn't feel derivative. No, it
0: felt referential in that little, okay. like, oh, Artie film school. Anyway? Yeah, I know <laughs> yeah. what she's referencing. Uh, yeah, yeah, right on. Yeah. So thanks to the readers who referred, who recommended that, because I got the little in. I felt like the cool
1: kid. Go for um it. <laughs> the so the women's hair um wasn't quite as elaborate as technically it should have been according to you know what actually happened in the period um but they definitely got especially for the more the formal more scenes it's stylized, stylized yes for the more formal scenes they did get the the volume on top of the head which is key and then the fontange headdress which is um, all of that sticky yappy lace and ribbon and things like that, which was totally the look. And those were pretty darn good. They, yeah, I.
0: I, I... I approve, Yes, yeah. They had a range of them. They all weren't identical. Different materials. Yes. Some were
1: ribbons, some were lace, wire, some were, like, yeah. Uh, f- uh, mm-hmm.
0: net and wire. Right, right. And they of um, coordinated with the outfits, but they weren't super matchy. So they had a, it was right. nice. It was very yeah. well
1: done. I read an interview with the director, or excuse me, with the hair designer who said that the director really wanted a, a kind of a stripped down look. Um, and I think, so it was kind of the period, but dialed down a little bit, but then, you know trying to show when they're being more fashionable and that sort of thing. Also, apparently the director forbade any hairspray. So they were working with other products, which actually would would be more historically accurate. And apparently it was like they were constantly having to run in and and touch up people's hairstyles because there was just no hairspray allowed. Um, We'll get to the men in a second with the wigs. But the key thing I have to say that made me, I mean, there were so many things about this movie that made me happy. The women's hair was up when it was supposed to be up. Woo! Hallelujah! I'm not saying women didn't run around in this movie with their hair down, but they ran around with their hair down when they were in their fucking nightgown. Yes. At, in you know, dressed for bed. Hallelujah. When they were dressed to be up and about, their fucking hair was up. That's how you do it. That is control. how you do it. The only slight exception is in the. Uh, there's a scene near the end where Sarah, Duchess of Marlborough is uh, at home in the country. It's like the second to last scene. Yes. And the, her hair is up in front and down and back. And, you know, whatever. I'll let that slide. Because in every other scene, if they were dressed for the day, their hair was done. Which, thank you, baby Jesus finally loves me. That's, it's not that hard, people. I can't tell. It's fucking revolutionary. I know. And you know what? It works. Because then all those times when the queen is running around in her nightgown with her hair down. Yeah. It works, it makes sense for the kids. C- because she is ill or tired or whatever. Yeah. It, it makes sense. She's in, looking a little ragged and crazy and, yeah, and like sick yeah, and Yeah. And she's a contrast. Right. And also then in other intimate moments where, you know, somebody's in bed or, you know, yeah. I'm sure, I don't remember as much, but I'm sure there have to have been a scene where Sarah or Abigail was dressed for bed similarly yeah. and their hair was down. And that makes sense because that's when you take your hair down. I mean, yes. you might braid it or something like that Dur- to actually sleep the, it. During the least... Sexy honeymoon scene ever.
0: Yeah. I yeah. think hair is kind of down. Oh, oh, my God. That was ah, that so, was so funny. funny. So funny. Yes. We'll have to. You'll a lot of. watch it. It's great. Yeah, um, totally.
1: So that, I just, I can't tell you how happy that made me. It wasn't a big deal. Listen, all of you fucking people who think we can't relate to movies where somebody's hair is up. You know, we related just fine. Yes. It did not make them feel weird or different or whatever that their hair hair happened to be in a bun or and something. And I related
0: more to the queen because when she was sick or feeling depressed or feeling alone and she was sitting there in her nightgown with her hair down, like, yeah, girl, I yeah. felt like that. Yeah. I totally related to her. Yeah.
1: Bras off. Yeah. You're like, just like, I don't give a shit. Uh, yeah, totally.
0: Uh, yeah. That, that's how you feel when right. your hair's down. Yes. You, do not, not, you don't feel all beachy waves and sexy. You right. feel like, uh, the world hates me. Yes. Fuck everything. Yes. Where's my cake? Yes. Barf.
1: Yes. You know, yes. give me more cake. I'm going to make bad choices. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, of course, you know, as is true to the period, the men are in these over-the-top, foppy, long wigs. Granted, the can't we can't keep the political parties straight, sorry, because no. we're not political nerds. No. Uh, whether it was the wigs of the Tories, yeah. one team was foppier with the the wigs that get up into the two poofs on top, yes. um, and then the other team was had kind of more sedate wigs, but. Damn, I love a good full-bottom Oh, wig. my God. Somebody I love no, a good full-bottom wig. I,
0: I'm, I'm really not into the romance or the sex right now, but somebody's shagged me
1: rotten with a full-fat-bottom wig, and I'm just down. I'll, I may have said this before in a podcast, but yes. I'll never forget the first time I went to uh, vaux le the big picnic that happens in France, um, and a lot of people, especially a lot of guys, do 17th century for that event. It's 17th or 18th century. And these guys are like 5'4", and hello, I'm 5'11", so <laughs> normally, eh. But they're in these full-bottom wigs, and I'm like, jaw dropped, drool coming. They looked so good. Oh, it's such a great look. It's it such really a great is. look. And so it was a really great contrast because it is. That I'm is getting what, me
0: a fat-bottom
1: wig. Yeah, maybe. you should. You totally should. Leonard has a short one. I'm getting yeah. a big one. You need a big one. I do. Um, mm. I'll help you out. Because um, I would love to make one of those. Oh, please. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so it was great to have the contrast. Oh, and as always, I mean, what that what that look does to a modern person is show you how artificial and arch yes. the era is, but they did it beautifully, yes. um, and uh, I love that, that dichotomy. I find I think it's, it's a cool one for us mm-hmm. in our modern era because we kind of rethink gender. We always think, yeah. you know, the woman is the shiny one and the over-the-top and the foppy one, and here is an era when actually it was the boys. Totally. You know?
0: Since we mentioned rethinking gender, let's just dive into the big controversy or yes. big like thing that has popped up, um, probably in some of the articles about this uh, movie, is the you know l- the lesbian aspect. So the men here, they are really aside; they're the peacocks, costuming wise, but they are so in the background. Mm-hmm. It's really about Queen Anne and her relationship first with Sarah, uh, Duchess Mar- Marlborough. And then Abigail, and it's it's both a friendship, it's a love relationship, it's a need relationship. There's a power dynamic. There's a sisterly there's a aspect, a mother-daughter aspect. There, aspect. There's so many things going on, and it's in both in both relationships, first with Sarah, and then with Abigail. And it's amazing, and it's so well written. It's so complicated. It's
1: so interesting and even before we actually get into the the lesbian aspect although this um or sexuality aspect it it all intertwines uh i had a rant about a year ago on Frogflix about how trying to anachronize women and make them seem feminist by basically giving them what were historically male attributes or, you know, dressing them up in a man's outfit yeah. and having them go to war is not actually feminist because it's not the truth of yeah. women's lives. Lady doctor,
0: lady Exactly. <laughs> yes. Lady, lady
1: gardener, lady
0: soldier, lady soldier, whatever.
1: Lady. Yes. But this is actually, I would say, one of the most historically uh, aware feminist movies I've seen because it's all about how women did wield power and influence this is exactly what you did Mm -hmm. if you wanted to be a powerful woman you machinated you got close to the people who had power there's great there's a great scene where parliament is happening and uh sarah marborough is having to stand in the doorway because she's not allowed to go in and she's sending a note or whatever it's all about how women actually did wield in fact political power not just power of patronage and all that kind of stuff that's how women did it. Yes. So let's look at that. Let's look at how complex and complicated right. it was. Let's look how successful and not successful it was. So it was so fucking feminist to me because it was actually true yep. to the reality of their lives. That's where you went if you wanted power. You did not. I'm not saying women did never dress like men and go out on the battlefield. But most of the time they didn't. Right. And that is, while well, well, the lesbian aspect has been played up
0: and... We, we honestly, of course, we we'll never know how much is true or how much isn't, and there's a lot of even scholarly debate about how much, what did or did not happen. The true part is that Sarah did use her relationship with the
1: Queen for political gain. And she's the one who, so it's, apparently it sounds like a lot of courtiers thought Anne was a bit too into all of her lady friends. And these were not the only two. There were multiple uh, female favorites. Yes. But that, so when Sarah and Anne fell out and Abigail rose to power, Sarah went around accusing Abigail and Anne of being inappropriate and simultaneously saying, well, she and Anne had this very pure relationship, but these two are getting it on. Right, and
0: saying I'm going to take letters, and the, so some of that, you know, definitely is true, um, as far as the accusations. What actually happened, obviously, we'll never know. Blah blah blah. And it, again, scholars on of every side, side if there's sides, um, have debated this and continue to debate this. But the real fact is that the political aspect and and using access to the queen. For political gain. Yeah, Sarah totally did that. Mm-hmm. Totally did that. Probably did that in, in as as scheming and, and nefarious
1: of ways as she could because that was how... Was calculating. Calculating yeah.
0: and... Because and yeah, that was that how was. you
1: achieve power. You didn't get to go off to battle. You yeah. you battled in the drawing room. And she did that
0: for herself, for her husband, for her children. For
1: political for, games, I think her, she... For, I her, thought, for herself. I just, think the movie, yeah. I thought it was good. I liked that they kind of made the point that she wasn't just out for number one. That yeah. she did actually believe in the war. Yeah. And and was... Like, she made some lines about, like, yeah. doing this for England. Kind yeah. Well, of and thing. her husband
0: was a general and yeah. all this. Yeah. And she yeah. was yeah. doing this for a lot of other people. Whereas right. Abigail was... Just in a crappy situation of just trying to get up, right. but that's also that's weird. totally legitimate and how what yeah. a lot of people did and, and, do. and do currently and still do, yeah. Um, but you know, so you have those two sides, and, and then there's one line about um, you know. I think it was, I think Sarah's saying, well, we were were playing different games. Like, yeah, but you're both playing a particular, you're playing the game that this is the only way that women can get ahead in any way at this time, this place for women in this station. Yeah.
1: Well, and and what I liked about it too, again, I I feel like, um, I like that they humanized Anne. They didn't just make her like old and scary and gross, but it showed how it's not necessarily glamorous to get close to the queen. You know, you may have to, you know, go down on her. But I think the thing that's interesting... They did make
0: her a little dumber.
1: Yes. Uh, and, and she apparently was a bit more... more she wasn't great, but she was a bit more politically astute. Yeah, than They, they the made her more bit.
0: cartoony, you know, yeah, kind yeah. of... Uh, than
1: she necessarily yeah. was. Yeah. But I also think what's great about the movie is while historically there certainly have been sort of raised eyebrows and that's not so much done when it comes to same-sex relationships, it also gets into the idea of how fluid sexuality has always been, but also particularly how pre-20th century, how fluid definitions of sexuality were. Because Anne, I mean, she actually was married through, they they write out King George, who died about a year into this story. Uh, He should have been around for some of it, but apparently he was useless. But I mean, she had 17 pregnancies. She was clearly getting it on with him. Historically, sexuality was not as rigidly defined as we think it is. And there definitely was a sense that you know, if you, if you got the air in the spare and what you did in your free time was in your free time and it, people didn't try necessarily categorize. So they might've right. been like, Hmm, what's the queen doing with her favorite? And there may have been an element of, right. Ooh, that's too much or gross or whatever. Right. Um, but it wasn't like, okay, therefore she's a lesbian. Right. Therefore we have to slap labels on this. And you know women can have rom- and did have romantic friendships intimate friendships sexual sure. friendships who knows a whole range of things uh in a way that we we really want to put things in boxes
0: well and there's there's a few things to unpack there and I hate using that word why did I just use it anyway um but for one you know the word lesbian didn't exist for like a couple decades uh, centuries after this um, time period um but the idea of the you know intense female or intense same sex romantic relationship um has existed like through uh out law throughout history way way up until pretty much the 20th century like these strong um romantic emotional bonds between same sex friends that today we look at those kind of letters and we think oh my god they must have been lovers they must have been you know having sex and and maybe they were maybe they weren't but you know these are also a lot of times people who had, you know, opposite sex marriages and kids and blah, blah, blah. I'm right now thinking of, there's some letters from, you know, Abraham Lincoln and him and his, uh, uh, a friend in his youth and early days as a lawyer where they slept in the same bed and they wrote, called each to their dearest and all this. But obviously, you know, he married Mary Todd and they had kids and blah, blah, blah. And so today we don't know what to make of that because we don't allow that for same sex friendships in Western culture and we don't have the words those kind of words for that conversely and and very recently now we have some words kind of recognizing things like um aromantic or um asexual asexual where you know you may and and that these are separate necessarily from uh heterosexual or gay or bisexual where you can have deep romantic relationships with someone that doesn't have anything to do with what you you know who you want to stick your junk into mm-hmm. But uh, okay. so and i mean i'm just saying that you know the that human sexuality and romance are very complicated mm-hmm. and they always have been yeah and so we look back in the past and we're trying to put specific labels onto things and and you know what we actually do have more complicated, more subtle labels for that now, and maybe we should, like, think about that in the past, too. So, TLDR, (laughs) Queen Anne and all of her favorites may or may not have had sexual relationships. They may have had romantic relationships. They may have had a lot of things. We will never know. Um, This movie, of course, says that they had sexual ones and romantic ones, and that the, the partners may or may not have had different... may have been just using that for political and
1: personal gain but. but I thought what was interesting too though is I feel like this movie showed how kind of blurry it was exactly. and how it could happen because I think a lot of times we look back and we're like oh, you know we've been so encouraged and granted it's changing now in the 21st century but those of us who are alive in the 20th century were really <laughs> encouraged to put things into boxes right and it was separate and even if you were bisexual or transgender or whatever you were in that box and that's what you did but I think this shows how you could have an intense friendship and it might lead to something unexpected. And I don't know, I just, I like that it was gray area yes. and mushy and blurry because that is how life is. Yes, you know? exactly. And oh, we all yeah. have different motivations for being sexual. I mean, I thought it was really interesting actually that Anne was sort of soliciting sexual activity from Abigail when she was clearly not into Abigail anymore, but she wanted to get off, you know? Or, and maybe, I mean, do you think or, it was the end? Yeah, yeah, or maybe to wield power. Or and I was
0: wondering too if that was sort of a power thing towards the end where she was kind of trying to show that, damn it, I'm still a queen. Yeah. And, and
1: here's something I can make you do that you probably might not you know, necessarily
0: want to do. Because you sh- maybe, you know, it was kind of this whole thing about, well, you've shown me that. By the way, if you don't know that there's going to be spoilers, there's spoilers.
1: Yeah. Um, no spoilers in history, but also, yes. yeah. we it's, assume. This is a movie review. There's yeah. spoilers.
0: Um, so yeah, at the very last scene it felt like to me that, you know, Abigail had kind of destroyed Anne's idea of Sarah. Yeah. So the queen kind of wanted to God just, damn it, I'm just gonna get whatever I'm, I'm gonna show you. Yeah. And, and Well you it also kinda destroyed
1: her lo- her ideas of like the purity of love.
0: Yeah. So right. I, you're gonna I'm gonna make you do this yeah. because you've destroyed yeah what I thought
1: was really yeah. just, it was I did think the that. shot with the layers yeah. of the, the two women and the rabbits was a bit much, wow. even from an art house perspective. Yeah, it was, it was a bit much, it was a bit, um, like, are we going into Watership down here? Like, what are we here? <laughs> I don't know that, that did just annoy me from a filmmaking perspective, but it, yeah, but so I just liked that, you know, sexuality is complex. We do it for so many yeah. different reasons and where we go with it. And also what happens behind closed doors happens behind closed doors. Exactly. Like in a way I liked the scene where, you know, uh, the first scene where you see Sarah and Anne starting to get it on yeah. and Abigail's, you know, yeah. shocked to see it. But still it was like, they're doing what they do behind closed doors. Yeah. You know, they're just, yeah. I don't know. It felt, if it happened, right. you know, it felt like a, a real way something could happen. Totally. You know?
0: I'm thinking of that last scene, I'm th- I flash back also to the, Worst honeymoon ever. Um, oh <laughs> where, yes. Where I'm thinking, you know, both of those were about power. Yeah. And and I, I, I just they, there's some some mirroring there, which I think on the director's part is like kind of brilliant because. For Sarah, or no, sorry, for Abigail, and I'm terrible with names. I just really am. If I meet you in person, I'm just gonna screw up your name. Sorry. Me
1: too. Um,
0: So I'm bad in films. Why? When I'm writing something, I have to like double check it like 14 times. Um, But in the last one, you know, Sarah is being made to do something. Abigail. Abigail is being made. (laughs) Thank you. Is being made to do something sexual out of power, Mm -hmm. as as a display of power. And on her uh, wedding night, um, she did something that was kind of just about power. Because she she had gotten married as a display of power. And she was just jerking this guy off because... She had bigger fish to fry. She had bigger fish to fry. And she was obsessed with her status. Yeah. And it was about power and status. Yeah, um, I thought it was
1: interesting because there was that one cute scene where they're playing around in the forest yeah. and all of that. Um, and... I thought I thought I was ready for the hot and steamy romantic sex yeah. scene. This is her going to be her real love or uh, whatever. Yeah. And I like that, again, that it was the men are secondary. Yeah. She's far more concerned about what the fuck is Sarah up to and, yeah. and all that. And sure, I'll whack you off if you need me to whack you off, whatever. Yeah. Shut up, I'm thinking.
0: Yeah, you
1: know? I know. I and mean, there wasn't
0: that. Because that would have been a typical you know meet cute and we're going to have our little side romance. Right. But no, there wasn't. The men were totally secondary. It was really about the status of... The women, their relationship to each other, and that was it. Mm -hmm. And even that, okay, I'm going to get married, but I'm doing it so that I have status, a title, title, status, and a house, and an income, and all of that. Right. Because she didn't before. Right. Oh yeah. And she could only have one, because if you marry a man, it 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 needs to be the right man, you know, with the with, with the accoutrement. But you know, and this guy's cute, fine, whatever. Right. But he mostly has a name. Yeah. (sighs)
1: One of the things I liked about the movie is minus one use of the word okay. I felt like the people behaved in a way that was appropriate to the period. I'm not saying it was perfect, but like I felt like when they were being casual... Or like in a scene like where she's running around in the forest with the guy and I love where she was yeah. punching him and all that. Yeah. It still all seemed to work for the period. Yeah. You know, sometimes when they try to make people relatable and casual and informal and all of that, yeah. they, they suddenly become, you know, this like 21st century emo girl or something. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I, but I felt like. They felt like they did a really great job of keeping the mannerisms and the dialogue and all of that, minus that one use of okay, yes. uh, which dates from, I want to say, mid-20th century, yes. you know, and drives me fucking up the wall. Yes. Um. Okay. But they kept, like, there were, you know, there were lots of times people were slumpy or, you know, it, it, doing different things with their bodies that weren't, you know, like, hello, I'm being misproper Proper Deportment. But it still all felt like... Mm-hmm it worked within the period sets. Agreed. And I feel like that's how you would be if you were, you know, you're wearing a corset. I don't know. I just, there was something about all of that that really worked for me.
0: And there were several over-the-top scenes, primarily with animals, that were over the top and felt very historically accurate period, ridiculous, the one with those oranges. Oh, the duck racing. There was the duck racing. There was the lobsters. There was the oranges. I mean... You oh, God, the scene with the oranges. oranges! What the fuck was that about? I mean, honestly, if you've read letters and period descriptions of the... I mean, I, I've read a lot of stuff like that in the 16th century, so I'm just going to presume they have kept happening, because you read, like, Samuel Pepys. They and, pelted naked well, male prostitutes with, okay, with maybe, oranges? Okay, maybe not that specifically, but just shit like that. Stupid shit. Just stupid shit, like, like the excesses of mm-hmm. the rich, or excess right. or random things would happen in, you know in the streets. I mean, it felt to me. Yeah. Plausible.
1: Right. Well, what else totally are you going to do? You're plausible. all trapped in a, pa- you're, or not trapped, but you're all in a palace, Yeah. you know, and you can drink and you're going to have parties and whatever, but it's, you're like, okay, and we can play whist, but what else are we going to do? It stupid
0: and plausible yeah. in that way that yeah, just, if you, especially if you read enough mm-hmm. like period documents, Bullshit, yeah. they're like, I don't know why they were... I mean, what else are you going to do? Yes. We're raising lobsters. Sure. She has 17 bunnies. Sure. Yeah. 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 Maybe, I mean, you know, she probably didn't.
1: I don't know if she did. I
0: did. um, That was something I
1: noticed in one of the articles I was reading. That bunnies thing is made up. Yeah. But
0: that kind of thing was, you know... Crazy rich people of the time, or, sure. You know, sure Excesses not? of the time. Ex- yeah.
1: Uh, I realized one costume thing we didn't talk about, or I don't think we talked about, which was the the pants in as gear. Oh, here. that's
0: right. Yeah, the one um, really big anachronism is that um, Sarah wears pants for shooting in the scenes where she's there. She and uh, Abigail are, are shooting pigeon, and um, also when she's riding, and yeah, I mean she wouldn't have been wearing.
1: Yeah, pants. she wouldn't. Especially
0: not these pants. These are these are like tight leather pants. Yeah, they're, they're not, big, not even breeches. They're not breeches or petticoat breeches like men would wear. These are like modern like tight to the leg pants with right. tall, right. like up to the knee boots. These are yeah. like something that you would see yeah. on the street today.
1: And women totally wore menswear inspired outfits for riding. Uh especially the jackets look very menswear, but they were with skirts. Yeah, the top of it,
0: she's wearing the jacket and all that and the hat and blah blah. blah. But the From the waist down, I mean, below the jacket, is all just tight. Now, yeah, that's totally anachronistic. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, she's only wearing it with another woman. Right. She's wearing it with Abigail, who she is totally trying to show dominance over. Particularly in the shooting scenes, where she actually does shoot at Abigail at one point. um, And makes very snide comments about shooting and domination type talk so you know it fits it works if it it's a character um, it doesn't scream just it's, it's not extraneous it's not like yeah. out of the blue it's not you know like when say like hey everybody do it all the time in every film woohoo.
1: but at least they did it in kind of restrained constrained uh yeah And it was obviously, like you said, it was to show dominance, it was to take on that sort of masculine power, that kind of thing, yeah. Um, Random thing, uh, I liked that when the shooting scenes, they had a a boy servant who was clearly, I want to say South Asian of some kind. Um, I liked that a lot. One thing that was random, I noticed in the courtier scenes, there was one woman who was black. Um, And I liked that. Um, she was just kind of there yep. doing her thing, yep. and and again, in, you know, in a stylized sure. movie, yeah, it worked, not? and and yeah. who knows, totally, and uh, plausible, but could be, and also not a movie that you know she clearly wasn't playing, you know, Jane Duchess of whoever. No, she was I mean, just the, there.
0: All there were there were about, like five speaking characters, yeah, and she wasn't one of them. Right, but you know, she was yeah. also just one of the. She was just there, so and
1: yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else particular I want to talk about. Um, those are the
0: biggies. Uh, look for it at the Oscars. Sandy Powell will be up for an Oscar Absolutely. nomination. No well doubt. deserved. Um, interesting that she also did the costumes for Mary Poppins Returns, which comes out on Christmas uh, 2018. Um, and she's done a little bit of press for that. Not as much press as for this, mm-hmm. which is interesting because obviously the other one is a Disney movie, mm-hmm. much bigger budget, right? Much wider release. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously the, the costumes aren't as kind of crazy, but she had a bigger budget, you know. Mm-hmm. And she, and there is the you know, essentially the Holly jolly holiday scene, the you know, the technicolor scene, which will. I believe it has, I think I saw a screen cap, and it's like Bustles or something. Hmm. Anyway, it's kind of historically-ish. I mean, the, the film is set in the 1930s. It starts in 30s and goes wherever it goes in its fantasy pace. Um, So it's very interesting to me, just from the kind of, if you watch Oscar stuff, I mean. Yeah. I've been, She's a shoe. Sure I'm, I'm a little nerd about that. That She has these two films up. Yeah. One is this giant budget thing. Mm-hmm. And she's done very little press. This other one, this tiny little artsy indie film, mm-hmm. done a shit ton of press for it. That's the one she's going to get the Oscar yeah. nom for. And I don't know what the competition is out there, but she's so good. I get it. So good. I also so good. do think at least one of these actresses will be up.
1: Yeah. I'm betting on Rachel Weisz, who I... A just think is outstandingly amazing, and also think is great in this. I was really impressed. I thought Emma Stone really pulled it off. Olivia I, I, Coleman. They were also highly talented. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they were all honestly, really good.
0: the director might be up because yeah. he's he's had one Oscar nomination before yeah. for a yeah. very obscure film. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. Um, but it, it will, and it, I, I think it'll get a wider release in the um, in 2019, and it'll probably be on streaming. Pretty oh, for sure too. Yeah. So catch it. Yeah.
1: I highly, highly, highly recommend it. It's a really well crafted movie. The script is great. Yeah. The directing is great. The costumes are great. The acting is great. The are There's great. definitely some weird elements, but they use them well. Yeah. There's some comedy and yeah. it's done well. Yeah. you know it's not just oh ha ha joke, yeah. whatever I don't know. um. I would like to add one little thing, which is a special sneak preview in that we got to see a special preview <laughs> on the big screen. <laughs> and I got to say, it was so exciting to watch Tristan Force to watch the Mary Queen of Scots preview and, and next and to me. And watch me bite the, the armchair. There and, was and, a lot of grumbling and muttering. And, I mean,
0: honestly, it was the same preview that we've seen everywhere else, I know. pretty much. And I just, I wanted to
1: hurt something I got really excited watching it because we're planning to do a podcast for it and I can't wait to watch Tristan squirm it's gonna be really it's, really hard it's gonna be really entertaining so look for that oh it's coming yeah
0: okay so um the favorite two enthusiastic thumbs up totally. and uh, we'll probably do some posts about it because we have as I said, Sandy Powell has done so much press, so we're going to yeah. have a ton of quotes and as many pictures as we can scour uh, yeah. out uh, uh, around it. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's not. We can't get screen caps because it's still in the theaters, but um, maybe we'll wait until um, it comes on to stream- streaming no. and we'll do something big then. i, I got to do
1: something with the hair sooner. Yeah. Okay. So yeah.
0: we'll have some posts. Yeah. Um, we promise. In the
1: meantime. Because we love you.
0: Catch us on all the usual places, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, Frockflix.com. Frockflix.com. subscribe to our patreon for um extended shit thank you to everyone who already subscribed we would read out all your names but there's so many of you and we love you so much we don't want to fuck that up um also i just I, I can't get to my phone right now and get, log in because anyway issues and i've had a cocktail <laughs> so but i trust i love you uh, we all love you. And, and you make this thing happen. That's too. So thanks so much. Yep. Bye. Bye.